0: Welcome to episode 21 of the Empowering Ability Podcast. Welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast, where we get you and your loved ones impacted by disability, the information needed to live a full and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, Eric Gall. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast. This is your host, Eric Gall. And for all of our listeners, I just want to remind you that we are currently still recording our mini series on housing for people with a disability. And uh, if that's a topic that interests you, make sure to go over to empoweringability.org and grab the free download on creating uh, your home. It's a great workbook that'll help you start to think about what your vision is for home and how to start to implement that and start the conversation. So going on over to Empower Ability.org and and grab that for you and your family. So on today's podcast, we have guest Dale Reardon. And Dale is the founder of a platform called My Disability Matters. And the platform, uh, think Facebook for uh, people with a disability and all the other people that surround them uh, that are involved with uh, disability. And uh, Dale started this uh, about a year and a half ago uh now early 2016 and uh he's got an interesting story so excited to share dale's story with you and share the conversation we also talk about the ndis national disability insurance scheme and on in, in uh, australia that uh, dale's australian you'll you'll pick that up from uh from his accent and um dale shares a little bit about the scheme how it works and how it's supporting people with disability in australia so i think you're gonna enjoy this conversation here's dale hey dale welcome to the empowering ability podcast thanks for making some time to chat with me today thank you
1: very much for having me eric
0: yeah my pleasure so uh dale super excited to uh hear more about your story and um and have you share that with the audience today and also super interested and curious um about the uh, company you started and the web platform my disability matters so maybe dale if you could just start us with with your story and then we can roll into uh the my disability matters uh platform that you that you're working on
1: Yeah, certainly i'm uh, 47 years old uh, now And I uh, went blind at the age of 17 through uh, Leber's Optic Neuropathy, um, a genetic uh, condition. Uh, After that, I went to university and uh, completed a law degree. And I ended up uh, practicing uh, in total over the next uh, many years, about uh, seven years in total in private practice, doing criminal law, family law, um, personal injuries, any uh, litigious work. And uh, in after being a uh, lawyer and having my own law firm uh, in partnership with a university friend, uh, went into um, tourism business with my then wife and uh, her family. And we operated uh, several historic uh, bed and breakfasts in Tasmania, Australia for about uh, seven and a half years. And uh, then after that, I've uh, also worked at the Australian uh, tax office. And then, um, Most recently, at the start of last year, I started uh, planning um, My Disability Matters. Uh, Initially, it was a a news publishing uh, platform and um, republishing um, curating uh, blog posts from other people, which we're about to uh, start again to sort of act as a uh, central repository and spread the word of all sorts of uh, disabled bloggers. And then uh, as we went through a uh, business incubation uh, program to develop our business further, and it was during that in um, July, August, uh, September last year that we came up with the idea of the My Disability Matters community, uh, which is based uh, very similar to Facebook in terms of uh, social networking and uh, discussing with other people. Uh, But Facebook predominantly is based on communicating with people you already know or at most uh, friends of friends. Uh, Whereas we, uh, like other uh, interest-based communities, are trying to get people in in touch and um, meeting new people and talking with each other around a common interest of uh, disability. Uh, Although people are quite free and certainly do discuss other parts of uh, their life, Uh, you know, going on holidays, uh, having your pets, all sorts of other uh, normal things. Uh, But one of the uh, key factors driving the creation of My Disability Matters uh, was the uh, bullying and um, trolling that I have seen take place on um, social media, uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter, in uh, particular, provide great uh, communication methods, uh, but they don't actually um, take very strong stance against either hate speech or just general uh, bullying of the uh, disabled. And lots of uh, people who've become members, and um, myself as well, don't often want to talk about their uh, disability issues on uh, Facebook uh, because of how other people react and uh, how they get treated. Um, So we've introduced uh, what we call a respect and tolerance pledge that people, uh, it's just agreeing like terms and conditions on any website, agreeing to a uh, standard as to how you're going to act in the community, uh, that you will respect other people and be tolerant of their uh, disability issues. And uh, we, yes, touch wood thus far. We certainly haven't had any, uh, you know, hatred or mistreatment of uh, anyone, and uh, people are finding it a very good place to open up and uh, meet other people. Uh, At the moment, we've got about 1,650 members um, from, yeah, all around the world. We certainly have Canadians, Americans, uh, UK, Ireland, and, of course, Australia where uh, we're based. Um, So it is providing an uh, opportunity for, uh, yeah, people to meet others, and we're certainly... uh, trying to obtain either uh, government grants or investment uh, from uh, business investors at the moment to expand the club, uh, putting more features that will help meet people uh, near you and um, building a uh, an app to allow people to use it on their mobiles more easily and those sort of things. Cool. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, one of the, when I first lost my sight when I was back at age 17, uh, you know, it was obviously quite uh, you know devastating at the time and you, you wonder what's going to happen with life and it was actually through meeting a, uh, a normal uh, family where one of their children uh, was blind uh, and the father was blind as well and I've remained uh, friends with them uh, ever since up until now and I stayed with them for several days and this sort of, you uh, saw a benefit of what you know life could be like and still be quite normal so i it is the ability to talk to others in similar situations that can be highly beneficial and yeah that is one of the benefits we're attempting to bring
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense so you're creating a a safe online place for people to connect and openly Openly speak about and be vulnerable about their disability and learn about other people's uh, experiences or, or share experiences. And it sounds like that's had an impact on your life as you, uh, as your disability uh, developed, Dale.
1: Yes, that's right. And I mean, obviously, you know, before the internet and even still now, there's lots of face to face supports and you can meet up with people locally, uh, but lots of you know, people with disabilities have problems, whether it's through uh, money or uh, support with, you know, can't afford transport or going to -to face-to-face sessions. And I, you know, find myself, the internet is a great uh, tool to bring people together and, you know, discuss and talk online. Uh, It breaks down a lot of those barriers when people might have uh, access issues otherwise, if it had to be a face-to-face thing. Right, right.
0: So I'm I'm curious, you had a, you've had a, a, a very um, interesting career from law to travel and tourism, uh, now to uh, an internet entrepreneur. Um, what, was there something that uh, really drove you to first creating the um, My Disability uh, Matters blog uh, platform to help share uh, the, the blogs of other people that have disabilities?
1: Yes, really it was at the um, start of last year. um, I don't know if you, but certainly I imagine some of our listeners uh, would be familiar with the site called The Mighty. Um, There was a great, um, I suppose, distrust and uh, anger at uh, The Mighty at the start of last year uh, for how they were portraying uh, people with disabilities. Um, because of, you know, like all publishers and newspapers, uh, there was a temptation for them to use very sensational sort of stories and uh, perhaps arguably exploit uh, people to get more clicks um, to the website and then get more clicks on advertisers. Right, so like um, disability
0: so as inspiration type thing.
1: Yes, uh, the what the, can be known as inspirational porn or uh, ableism and, uh, yeah, and the sites run very much from the um, perspective of mainly parents of uh, disabled uh, people, uh, which you know I still believe is a valuable uh, perspective. And certainly we have lots of parents as members of our community. Um, but we want you know disabled people themselves to speak for themselves as well, and uh, that was seen as being uh, one of the problems. Uh, the other issue which unfortunately, we still haven't solved yet, but certainly is our desire, is to actually pay uh, disabled writers to write the articles. And uh, as we can get the funding, we hope to employ uh, disabled people as you know, support staff and programmers and marketing roles and uh, all aspects of the business, because I realise myself, I've had a lot to face a lot of uh, discrimination in seeking employment. So, you know, we'd like to set an example.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, I guess where did, so you, you started with the, the blog platform and then transitioned into the um, community and you're up to sixteen 1600, uh, 1,650 people uh, worldwide in the community. What, you know, you mentioned about your personal experience, but was there something uh, when you're going through that process with the incubator that made that light click on that, hey, there's this need for
1: a community? Yes, because we, we had um, comments of course on blog posts and we were trying to uh, expand the involvement and engagement of people uh, and the first step we thought of was just to put uh, forums on the site um, and at that stage we were also still planning the uh, writing site or the forums to be a a, a low paid but a paid community. And then it was through this business incubation that we decided to reach and impact the most people we needed, if at all possible, to make it uh, free uh, to access and that a full-on social platform was probably uh, what people wanted. And, uh, yes, certainly that has been the case as we've spread the word. Uh, Yes, people want to use, uh, you know, to Yeah, use it a lot like Facebook, but in a uh, different environment.
0: For listeners, Dale, um, how can they get
1: on the platform? Yes, if they just go to uh, mydisabilitymatters.club, then the homepage uh, has details of what the community is all about and a link to sign up uh, for free as a personal member. Uh, We do have a uh, paid option for business members, and uh, hopefully, in the next couple of months, we will start introducing an upgrade option, um, just offering some, uh, you know, special added on benefits for personal members as well.
0: Okay, so my, dis- my disability matters club for you listeners out there, and uh, go check it out. So you mentioned it's for people that have a disability. You mentioned there's some parents on there. Um, I'm on there. I signed up. So as a sibling um, of a my my sister has uh, an intellectual disability. What other kinds of folks are on there, Dale?
1: Yeah, basically it's the whole range of the disability sector. So uh, disabled people themselves, friends, uh, family, carers, and uh, business people, uh, support workers we have, uh, you know, physios, OTs, uh, planners. uh, Yes, anyone involved or being touched in any way by disability. And as we all know in the stats tell us about 20% of our population uh, has a disability of some sort. Uh, so, yeah, there is a big uh, group of people out there that we want to reach and uh, get involved.
0: So um, so people are connecting and, and sharing their stories. Um, how else do you see people interacting on
1: the forum or on the, on the network? Yeah, just um, chatting and becoming friends. Lots of people... Um, and it's just been a report in the last couple of days released in the UK about uh, loneliness being a major problem uh, with people who have disabilities. Uh, so, yeah, people are seeking uh, to not just get uh, support, but just to generally make friends, uh, people that they can talk to and share uh, their life with so that they feel more connected to other people. Um, so, yeah, friendship, has we've seen, has become a, a big part of why people are joining as well. Awesome. Cool.
0: Um, I guess, what else should people know about My Disability Matters?
1: Um, yes, we've, we've touched on the main aspects, uh, just that obviously uh, we are wanting to get the word out as uh, quickly and as widely as uh, possible. So, yeah, if people have uh, blogs or news sites or podcasts of their own, then we're uh, only too happy to uh, help with publicity and uh, get the story out there.
0: Okay, great. Um, so, Dale, I was wondering if we could switch gears for a second. Um, yes, certainly. You're uh, my first guest or the podcast's first guest uh, from Australia, and um, I've read a little bit about NDIS. So I was wondering if you'd be able to give our listeners just a, a high-level overview of what the NDIS is and you know what's working, what's not working.
1: Yes, certainly. The NDIS stands for National Disability Insurance Scheme. It's started its trials and rollout some four years ago now. What it's designed to do is to give people who have a severe and profound disability money that they can then use to take care of their reasonable and necessary needs, Um, because up until four years ago, all um, disability support in Australia was based on what is known as block funding, uh, where NGOs and charities, uh, non-government organisations, were given grants by the government, and uh, there wasn't any obligation to uh, let individual disabled people choose which organisation they used. Uh, The government chose the organisations by who it gave money to, and then they just set about uh, servicing as many people as they could. Uh, So the scheme was very fragmented over the whole of Australia. Uh, Lots of people missed out on the help they needed, or some people, you know, with the bad examples, might have only got a shower every several days rather than uh, every day like anyone else. Uh, So this uh, scheme was brought in with the... uh, probably over the whole of Australia, doubling the amount of money um, being provided to the disability sector, Uh, but on the basis that disabled people would have more choice and control. So that uh, there's a planning meeting with this uh, government department, uh, where it's decided how much help you need and the type of help you need. And then you're free uh, as the scheme rolls out and, goes to more areas and more businesses get involved you're free to actually choose the business and the individual staff that give you the support you need um so that you can actually organize uh, support at the the right you know the theory is the right hours of the day that you require and the right number of people and uh, not be bound by just one agency servicing your area but uh, even individuals uh disability support workers are setting up in the rollout areas as the scheme progresses around the country to then let you individually contract with them to train your own staff or the possibility at large disability support uh, businesses still exist and you can use them uh, if you prefer as well Uh, it's going to another two years before it finishes uh, rolling out and everyone is uh, covered Uh, when it finishes rolling out they estimate uh, around 460,000 people will be covered Uh, so the most uh, severe disabilities Uh, based on the stats of course there's probably four million uh, people in australia have a disability of some form Um, so they're you know still working out the precise ways that uh, that those extra uh, people with disabilities will be taken care of and supported in the community but You know, and it's certainly like any government program having some uh, teething problems as it uh, rolls out. But we're hoping, you know, that it will revolutionize the way in which uh, disability care is provided in Australia.
0: And just for our listeners, my friend Google here told me there's about 25 uh, million people that live in Australia. So, just to help to give that a bit of perspective in terms of percentages that uh, would be covered under the scheme. Um, So, deal uh the with the block funding did the government cut that start to cut that back for those agencies that were providing support how did that work in that transition
1: uh it it did and because you know budgets are always uh, tight and have constraints so the they have uh, put a special tax levy to help raise uh, some of the funds for the new scheme Uh, hence why it's called an insurance type scheme because anyone who acquires a disability whether it's uh, through an accident uh, illness uh, genetics will be eligible to be covered by the scheme Um, you do have to get into the scheme before the age of 65 um, but then once you're in it can cover you for your whole life Uh, that is a point of contention that was done for financial reasons, but uh, certainly there's many in the disability sector lobbying to uh, have that age uh, changed uh, because lots of people go blind or deaf or other disabilities after the age of 65. And then they're just uh, now in Australia taken care of through the aged care system, which is uh, not anywhere near as good for disabilities. Um, But yes, the the government uh, had lots of limitations on this uh, block funding and you know charities had to apply every year to keep getting their funding and you were sort of at the whim of the government Um, businesses are now facing a paradigm shift in the uh, former block uh, system they got their money uh, once a year and they could then plan out and just provide the services within uh, that budget they now have to compete Um, for services for customers, um, being the individuals with disabilities like any other business does in the world. Um, So they're having to learn, and that's one of the things we're looking to uh, add in to services for our business uh, members in the club to help teach them about uh, marketing and uh, customer management and all those uh, skills that other business people have that the disability sector hasn't really had to be involved in in certainly in australia for quite a while
0: right yeah what's my what's the unique value that i'm offering my customers
1: right yes they, that's right they have to learn how to frame their service and take care of people and uh you know provide good customer service It's the key to any business it's not just uh a matter of having your support workers. You've got to make sure they turn up properly. Um, You know, if illnesses occur, people still get cared and taken uh, care of. So all those uh, aspects that they weren't really focused on under the previous system.
0: So is there a consensus on what's working and what's not working? Or or maybe you have your own personal opinions on that?
1: Uh, I guess the... The main issues they're having are uh, the fact that the agency being set up to run the scheme is growing at a very rapid rate as it rolls out. Um, And I I personally think they need to work on getting more engagement um, and genuine co-design from the disability sector. At the moment, things are still being done for us or to us rather than with us. Mm. Um, And yes, I would like to see a lot more involvement uh, from people with disabilities in how the scheme is actually run and managed and uh, you know when when they propose making changes uh, even if they see them as improvements to actually seek uh, consultation and input from people with disabilities because you just don't know what you don't know. So uh, the administrators of the scheme may be acting with the, the best intentions, but they could get, you know, very good advice from people actually on the ground. Um, so I think, you know, that's a big change for any government department as well, because normally, you know, all management is done internally. So I'd like to see them in, engage the disability sector a lot more than they are at the moment. Mm-hmm.
0: And what what is working with the scheme?
1: um oh well it's certainly working in terms of people who weren't getting any help before um, are now getting the support they need. Um, before there was very limited funding even for mobility aids like you know wheelchairs and guide dogs and hearing aids and uh, you know bath assistance devices uh, etc um, and the the scheme is, Attempting to take an insurance mindset, uh, which means that they look at actually doing modifications to your house or uh, rental property, uh, which will, you know might mean you don't need as many support workers. Uh, it costs more in initially, but it's going to have a much better long-term uh, benefit for you and financially for the scheme. So, yeah, they're taking a longer-term view when looking at what help to give people. Uh, but like the rest of the uh, world, the one thing they've discovered is that there is an, a huge number of uh, autistic children coming up through the uh, scheme, uh, perhaps more than they even anticipated. So that uh, is going to take some you know, investigation and management over the next few years to uh, keep the the scheme numbers under control and to make sure there's enough people providing the assistance that all these uh, new autistic children need Uh, because, yeah, that's a very big uh, expanding area, which, you know, the scientists don't even fully understand yet. Right, right.
0: So it, it sounds like the, the positive, the way that you're speaking about it, there's more positive than, um, there's more benefit than, than, uh, headache that it's, that it's causing. Um, is it, are you like, is the feedback from people with disabilities that it's enough money to live on? Like, I, I guess maybe you have an example of, you know, how much a person would typically receive.
1: Perhaps what I should explain now, we have, um, like you were telling me, you know, a disability benefit scheme, which is what we call a disability support pension. Um, So that's the welfare payment side uh, that provides you the income and there's uh, rent assistance for housing and that's all provided um, outside the NDIS and to all people who meet the uh, criteria to say they're disabled and uh, can't find employment or need uh, financial assistance. Uh, The NDIS provides additional funding that uh, is entirely separate from income. Uh, It's not provided to use for living expenses, but purely for the costs of taking care of your disability. Uh, whether that is to employ uh, support workers, to pay for a new guide dog, to pay for a wheelchair, to uh, pay for additional transport costs um, going to and from work or to and from school. Um, You know, perhaps if you can't do it yourself to pay for home cleaners and home help. So, um, yeah, the scheme, you know, really ranges from some people are getting packages at, you know, five to ten thousand for the less uh, severe disabilities and some people at the very top end you know up to 500,000 a year if they need to you know care daily round the clock for example Um, so yeah it just depends on the person's individual circumstances but yeah the income support assistance uh, is entirely separate outside the scheme. Yeah, the average, um, you know, not that anyone is really an average person, but averaged out over the 460000 uh, the cost per person is going to be approximately 40000 right. Um So, I mean, th- there's going to be people, you know, at the low end and people are higher than that. Uh, but, yeah, from a overall economic point of view, that's where, you know, the average stands per person, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. and And that sounds a lot closer to what the actual need is uh compared to how the system's working here uh in ontario
1: yes yeah yeah, because here when they designed the scheme they tried to uh yes plan for what the actual costs were of taking care of people rather than necessarily you know how much the government could afford and then once they worked out what it really costs they tried to see where they could get the money from um I mean, it still remains to be seen. We've got another two years before we know for sure what the numbers are going to be, uh, whether the estimates have been correct. Um, so, you know, everyone's looking carefully at the the budget until we uh, finish knowing the precise number of people that are going to be included. And of course, uh, as I said, you know, there's a lot more young people coming up through the system. Uh, but it is hoped that with the right uh, support. That, uh, that many of these people in the scheme with disabilities will be able to get you know employment and participate in society a lot more so that the scheme will then pay back through uh, you know either tax system or just general community participation. and that lots of the carers of the people with disability will also be able to re-enter the workforce when they don't have to provide the twenty uh, four hour you know care for people.
0: Right. Right there's a lot of um there's a there's a and a, a ripple effect that's gonna happen right
1: that's what they're certainly hoping for yes, right. Right. as well as all the extra uh, you know literally millions of uh jobs created to help support all these disabled people yeah right
0: right yeah, so <laughs> it's just funny, I was just reflecting on this I haven't um yet covered how the, the system works here locally. So um, I do have a guest lined up to talk about that shortly. So it's just interesting that I cover, uh, or we're covering, um, you know, how those, the support funding works uh, on the other side of the world before uh, in our own my own backyard here. But
1: um, I, I... Yeah, I mean, with... We do uh, obviously having the same British orange uh, origins as uh, Canada here in Australia. We have a, a federal system like you where we've got uh, seven states and uh, territories uh, so there's still you know arguments between uh, state level and the federal level as to who helps fund what um so i mean you know at the moment it's all been quite cooperative but uh you know if the budget goes over then you know it will be more discussions as to who pays for what
0: yeah yeah right on well dale i uh, i want to respect your time here so i'm really grateful that uh you took the time uh out of your day to to, to talk with me today and to share your story and the podcast and i love what you're doing with um the social network that you're you've created with um, my disability Matters Club. so recommend all of our listeners to go check that out and uh create a profile and uh and say hi to, to dale and some other folks that uh you might meet in there and you know make sure to spread the word around around what about what he's doing and uh yeah so just super grateful for you for you coming on the show today
1: Dale. Thank you very much, Eric. I really appreciate your time and look forward to uh, meeting lots of your uh, listeners.
0: Sounds good, Dale. Talk soon.
1: Okay, thanks.
0: Big thank you to Dale Reardon for coming on to the podcast today, sharing his story and telling us about uh, the new social site that uh, he's building. My disability matters. Club, and I'll include the um, link to that in the show notes and uh, the blog, so you'll have easy access to it. Uh, you can also check out his blog sharing site, and I'll include that in the show notes as well. And if housing is something that you're working on, Uh, feel free to go to the website and get the free download on creating your home. So there's this great workbook that's going to help guide you through creating your vision and starting to implement your vision for what your home looks like. So go on over to the website. It's empoweringability.org. And I think you'll get a lot of value out of that. I'd like to thank all of our listeners that have left us a review on iTunes. Your reviews help me understand what I'm doing well, what I can improve on on the podcast, what you want to hear. So it's great feedback that you're providing, so please continue to do so. Also, by leaving a five-star review, it helps other people find the podcast. So thanks so much for those reviews and keep them coming. So next week, we go back to the mini-series on housing for part four of six, and In next week's episode, I share the story of Rougemont and Diohago. Just briefly, Rougemont is a cooperative housing group that started about 23 years ago. So this would have been in the mid 80s. And it was formed by a group of families. I think it started off with 10 families and and ended up with seven families in the end. And uh, they got together and got the funding to build a 105-unit apartment building. They really focused on building an intentional community that enabled everybody in the housing unit to contribute in a meaningful way, including... The sons and daughters uh their sons and daughters that had a disability so it's a cool story uh friend of the podcast Janet Cleese uh joins to tell uh, a lot of the story um including Diohago and Diohago is a a family collective that uh is linked with Rougemont and lives with inside Rougemont And there's some folks from uh, Diohago that joined the podcast to tell their story as well, and as well, uh, members of Rougemont to tell the community side of the story. So it's a really interesting uh, story, interesting podcast. Recommend you check it out. And as always, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Visit us at empoweringability.org
1: for more podcasts and resources to help you and your loved ones impacted by disability live the full and meaningful life.